Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. We are in our series, In Between. And uh, praise the Lord, I want to thank Pastor Tasha for ministering uh, last Sunday morning. I watched that. It was tremendous. It was awesome. Any of you thinking about taking a shortcut should have uh, decided that's not a good thing to do, to take the quickest route, uh, but to follow God in the plan, uh, because God wants to take you to wherever you're going through Him and His presence. And so uh, that was just awesome. If you weren't here Sunday night, uh, I was in, at our Meeker campus on uh, Sunday morning. We had 76 people at church in Meeker on Sunday. Praise the Lord. And uh, so uh, Pastor Shane and Ashley are doing a great job as campus pastors up there. The church is excited. Uh, things are just going uh, awesome. And so we're just glad. We're glad that they're joining us. And uh, uh, they have a week delay, and so they'll have Pastor Tasha this week. But uh, uh, when the Hankins are here, we're actually going, and they'll be on the same. We're getting some equipment, and they'll be on the same day as us. And so they'll all be caught up. And so a number of things going on to reach out and to continue to do what God's called us to do. But in our series in between, all of us are, are really find ourselves in between in some way. And this is one of our foundational texts. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us right here, he's saying, listen, you have a race to run, and there's a beginning and an end, and there's an in-between. And really what you do, you know, we think you, you got to show up and you got to start. And I love the analogy that Tasha used or the story actually that she told uh, last week of the Tanzanian runnin', runner who said, my country did not send me here to start. My country sent me here to finish. And God sends us and he equips us not just to start in our race for him, but to finish Really, we read all through the scriptures, and the scriptures really are talking to us not about people only that started, but many people who finished, but much of the story is about what they did in between, and in fact, right here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, he, he's finishing up the thought, he's just written Hebrews chapter 11, which we, many people refer to as the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. And he's listed numerous people who not only started in faith, but they finished in faith. And he said, listen, when we get ready to run our race, when we're apprehensive about our race, when we get in the middle and we feel like quitting, we feel like running out of gas, we feel like it's too hard, we feel like the pain is too tough. He said, just listen, there is somebody here that not, not only just surrounding you going, woo, come on, keep it up, keep it up. He said, but no, there, is a, there are people surrounding us who are not just witnessing, watching, but they are able to come down and witness or testify of the faithfulness of God so that it will energize you to run your race. Because see, every one of those in Hebrews chapter 11 that we read about started out, God gave them a vision, they were incredibly excited, but in between, they were challenged in more ways than we could ever imagine. And the Bible says that it was by faith that they overcame 
It was by faith that they really withstood. And sometimes we get to the point of just thinking, you know what? My faith is, I believe in Jesus. When the Bible talks about believing in Jesus, it's really talking about what do you believe about Jesus and what do you believe about what Jesus did for you and how do you believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ affected you and will it take you from the beginning to the end because I'm here to tell you that it will. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has the power to take you from where you were, bring the penalty to bear on the cross, raise you up, give you a newness of life, put your feet on a solid rock, and cause you to accomplish that which God has ordained for you. And God is not just a starter, but God is a finisher. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. God is ever working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. All he's looking for is cooperation, that we will work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, that we'll work out our own salvation with this reverential awe that God is doing something greater in us than we could ever imagine. God is working in you something that is beyond what you could ever hope, dream, ask, or think. And that's why the in-between is incredibly important because the in-between says, here's where you are, but I'm going to take you to somewhere amazing but you can't walk in this amazing place. I want to bring you in the same maturity that you are right now. And you're going to have to trust me in the trials and the tribulations and the situations in between. But if you'll trust me and every day apply your faith, as Alan was talking about, every day get with him. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that you're not just waiting apathetically, but you're enduring. You're waiting on the Lord every day. You're getting instruction every day. You're moving every day. In every situation, you're trusting him, and you come out the other side into an amazing place that he has for you. I love this quote by Chuck Swindoll. He said 90%. He said 10% of life is what happened to you, and 90% is how you respond. Let me read that again. I was stumbling all over myself. Can't read my own notes. 10% of life is what happened to you. 90% is how you respond. See, sometimes you can't control what's going to happen to you in your life. Life is going to happen. We live at the speed of life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're not sure exactly what every day holds, but you know that every day God is holding you. If you have faith in God and can respond in kind to what God is doing, you can say, listen, I don't know. I, there's so many things I don't know about what's in store today or in this season of my life, and I don't know what it has in store for me, but you can trust God and know that God has something in store for you, and what he thinks about you and has planned for you is good and not evil. It's of a future and a desired outcome. And it's just so easy to get to be like the children of Israel, to always start blaming others for our situations, to blame the circumstances, to blame, you know, Moses, to blame Aaron, to blame God for the situations that we have, to live in an if-only mindset. If only I were given an opportunity, if only I had more, if only I was there instead of here. 
People are moving all over. I just got to get somewhere different. But guess what? When you get somewhere different, you'll be there. Come on. You'll still be there. And you'll still have to deal with the growth and the maturity if you want to accomplish the will of God. We always think it's somebody else, but then we move and all of a sudden then it's somebody else. And it can't go anywhere that there's not somebody else. But you also can't go anywhere that you're not there. But the good news is as a believer, you can't go anywhere without having Jesus there. Because he said he'd never leave you and he'd never forsake you. He's there. If only I were as good as someone else, just always living if only. But 10% is what happened to you. 90% is how we respond. I like this. I read this the other day. When life hands you lemons, squeeze them suckers into a blender with some Red Bull and ice. Then make something awesome out of it. Come on, the younger generation has to go beyond lemonade. Right? Sometimes life hands you lemons, but just put them suckers in a blender. Put some Red Bull, some ice, make something awesome. Not just lemonade, make something awesome out of it. And really for us, when life hands you a raw deal, give it to God and watch him make something extraordinary of your life. Come on, in the in-between, you just think, what's going on in between? But if we keep giving it to God, God's taking the in-between, and he's making something incredibly extraordinary out of your life. God's developing a testimony that if you knew it, you wouldn't even believe that it was you. If we continue to walk with God, I don't care if it's your relationships or troubled right now, God can make something extraordinary out of it. If you're struggling right now financially, God can make something extraordinary out of it. It doesn't matter if your past was something that was really terrible, God can make something extraordinary out of it. He is God, and he's a miracle-working God. And what we thought was impossible, God says, I make possibilities out of something you thought was impossible. And if you'll trust me, you'll see who I am, and you'll see my greatness, and you'll know that in believing in me, nothing is impossible for you. God's looking to move us to a higher place when we're in between. He's trying to get us to that place. What's he looking for? And what's he trying to develop in us in between? He's really working. And I know this seems simplistic, but stay with me. He's looking to develop faith. Not just a simple, I believe, but a faith, a trust, an adherence to, and a reliance upon God and his word. For every situation and every circumstance, knowing in our heart beyond all things that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, will he not do it? To recognize and to realize every promise that God has ever made has its yes and its amen. It's so be it in Christ Jesus. God's not making you a promise that he can't keep. He's made you a promise that he's already kept and he executed it in Christ. He says, in between, the enemy's trying to convince you it's not done yet. You don't have it yet. It doesn't exist yet. But he's saying, if you'll just trust me, you'll learn, you'll see, and you'll know I already have it taken care of. I've already accomplished it in Christ Jesus. And your faith reaches out into the unseen, and it pulls it into the manifestation of your life. 
so that you can experience the goodness of God. Turn your Bibles to Romans, the eighth chapter. While you're turning there, we just want to, you know, the children of Israel in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says that as they were going in, God had preached the word unto them. He had told them the promises that he had. He said they never entered the promise because even though that they had heard the word, they did not mix it with faith. In other words, we'll just say it like this, that though they heard the promises of God, they heard everything that he said about the promised land, they did not respond to the promise in faith. They continued to doubt. They continued to get worried about the things that they did not know. How are we going to eat? Where are we going to drink? What are we going to do? How are we going to keep our clothes from wearing out? And you know, God, even though they didn't know it, God did all of that. God fed them every single day. They didn't go hungry. He brought manna to them, the bread of life. He declared to them that that manna was to let them know that man did not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says he fed them with manna, and even though they went through and they felt like they were suffering, God was proving them so that he could do them good in the end. He knew if they didn't trust him, they were trusting in man, they were trusting in something else. Once they entered into the promised land, they would not be able to take the land. But if they would trust him, and why did they have to trust him? Because when they went in, there's no way they could take Jericho without God. And there's no way they would have trusted in the plan to take Jericho without believing God. Because God said, this is going to take total faith for you to walk around this city seven days, seven times, and to blow the trumpet and to shout and to, to think that you're going to win a victory that way without ever picking up a weapon. But if you'll trust me, I'll show you that the battle is mine and the victory is yours. He was preparing them all through the wilderness to say, when you go into the promised land, those things that you see that look impossible to me are not impossible. Those giants and those walled cities, I can bring them down in a heartbeat. What you think in your strategic mind will be months of war to be able to take Jericho. I'll drop the walls and give you the city in a single day. Come on, there's things that you're looking at, things that you're troubled with. You're thinking, I'm coming, I'm running out of time, I'm running out of life. Oh gosh, if this doesn't happen in a certain amount of time. But God says, listen, you're prolonging it by not trusting me. You're prolonging it by trying to figure it out yourself. He said, I want you to come into a place where you trust me because I can do in moments what you couldn't do in a lifetime. I can turn things around so fast it would make your head swim but you have to trust me. In the in-between, there's situations and circumstances that continually happen to us, and God's just saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me with your relationships? Will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me with your emotions? Will you trust me? And over and over again, we're tested, and we're like, no, I'm not sure I trust you right now. Let me handle it. Let me use my emotions to move this situation. Let me try to figure it out. Let me defend myself. God said, when you realize I'm your shield, I'm your buckler, I'm your rock, I'm your fortress, I'm your God, you can put your trust in me. That I created the universe and everything in it is, and I set the stars in motion and all the things in motion. 
I can help you figure things out with my wisdom. I've endured my man leaving me, coming back, leaving me, running all over, despising me, rejecting me, crucifying me. I know how to deal with your emotions and still put you on top. Trust me. Have faith in God. Why is all this happening to me? Why do I seem to be in a wilderness? Why does it seem like God is not talking to me? Because he's talked to us and he's given us his word. And he says, go ahead and trust that word that you've heard. No, I need a new word. I have a new situation. I need a new word. He says, no, you don't need a new word. You just need to obey the word that I've given you. As soon as you obey that word, you'll have revelation of another word that you've heard. We're waiting for something out here to come. And he says, listen, it's through obedience that you begin to understand. It's by faith that you begin to understand. And so when I believe God and I obey God, the moment I obey, I'm like, oh, I get it now. But you can never get it on this side of obedience. You can only understand it on this side of obedience. Why is that? Why couldn't I get it before I obey? Because there's something in obedience that brings revelation of God's wisdom that we don't have. Oh boy, I better hurry. This all isn't in my notes. I'm just rambling. All right. God's good. Come on, it's that in-between. I believe Brother Hagin said this some years ago, but while I was praying this last week and really had a good message, I think I'm going to preach it here in a couple weeks about David. Two weeks ago, I thought I had it. I didn't have it. So either it's for an appointed time or I don't have it right yet. But praise the Lord. This in-between, what God's looking for is this, this place that we could grow in faith and and that place where, where it shows all through Hebrews 11, it shows all through the Bible, what were people doing when, when the temptations came, when the troubles came, when the trials came, even when other people came against them, what was he looking for? He was looking for them to trust him. The Apostle Paul was in the middle of so many different situations from the time that he was called until the fulfillment of that. He lived his life in the fulfillment of that calling. Romans, the eighth chapter Starting in the 18th verse, listen to this. This is so awesome. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul and everything that he was going through and everything that he taught, it's really amazing. It's really the mind of Christ. We read it in Hebrews chapter 12 where it said, Jesus despised the cross and the shame. In other words, he lowly esteemed hanging on the cross. What do you mean he lowly esteemed it? He, he lowly esteemed the cross and he lowly esteemed the shame. Most of us don't realize the shame that Jesus was spit upon. He was mocked. He was beaten. They put a, a robe on his back. They pressed a crown of thorns on his head, and they laughed at him and say, hey, if you're really the Lord of all, do something about this. Because they looked at it from such human terms, but Jesus said, this is no big deal. See, we would take the shame and say, stop it right now. This isn't worth it. But Jesus said, it's worth it. Go ahead and spit on me. Because for every person that spit on him, he looked at them and said, in about 24 hours, I'm going to die for you. Yeah. 
I know right now you don't get it, that you're controlled by sin and hatred that's going to put me on the cross, but I lowly esteem the cross. The cross is no big deal because I'm looking to the resurrection. You're spitting on me and laughing at me and mocking me is no big deal because I'm going to raise from the dead and you're going to have an opportunity to have a whole changed life. The Apostle Paul knew this, and he had a revelation of it. I believe he wants us to have a revelation of it when we're going in the in-between situation. And it's easy for us to say, why, God? Why? Why am I mistreated? Why am I feeling this way? Why aren't you talking to me? Why is it so difficult? Paul said this, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. He said, I'm just in a place in between right now. I started out with God. I've had a revelation of heaven. He said, I've got some great things to share with you. He said, but I'm just in between right now. I started my ministry. Right now I'm being persecuted, but right now is just nothing to be compared to what's going to happen at the end when the glory is revealed. Listen, folks, we're going from one degree of glory to the next, and we're moving from faith to faith. And in between, there's a building process, and the glory that you may have experienced right now is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in the next phase. And so whatever suffering is between glory and glory, it's not even com- be able to be compared to the glory that's about to be revealed. When you're going from faith to faith, you may say, "Woo, I have a faith victory. But right in between, you think, what was that all about? Over here, I believe God and won. And now it seems like I'm losing. But you're going from faith to faith. And all of a sudden, when you get to this place, the thing that you just conquered is greater than the last degree of faith. And you're taking on things by the power of God that you never thought you could handle or with stand, but you're trusting God, and he's equipping you to stay on top instead of be on the bottom. That the devil's under your feet, you're not under his feet. All right, I got to read the rest of this. Whew. All right. Verse 19, he says, for the earnest expectation, you might highlight that, underline that expectation, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Come on, listen, there's just an expectancy. All of creation's waiting for you and I to step up and mature as sons and daughters of God. He's not waiting for the revealing of Jesus to come back. He's re- wait, the creation is waiting for the unveiling of a risen church that looks like Jesus. The sons and the daughters of God, all creation's waiting for us. To get through our in-between and step out transformed, taking our place of authority, taking our place of sonship in Christ. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to the fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Whew. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. 
For we, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he predestined these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. Whew! It's a mouthful. But I'm not done yet. Verse 31. What shall we say to these things if God is for us? Or more accurate translation, since God is for us, who could successfully be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wow, isn't that something? Holy Spirit prays through us, make an intercession for the will of God, and Jesus makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or sword? What's he talking about? He's, things that, he's talking about the things that have happened to him in between. He's talking about the very things that he said, these present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed. He's referring to his previous statement. He's saying, what, they say, well, what pres present sufferings? He's talking to them. He's like tribulation, trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As, we, as is written, we are, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are as sheep counted, sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, when the writer of Hebrews said, run your race looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He said, you may start with Jesus, but in between, you may have trouble, you may have persecution, you may have famine, you may have a difficulty, you may experience life on one day and death on the next day. You may incur all kinds of difficulty. He said, all that difficulty has come to separate your mind, your emotions from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But he says, when you embrace the love of God and you understand the love of God, faith worketh by love. When you know how much God loved you and sent Jesus to die for you, you begin to trust him out of that love that you know that he has for you. To truly declare that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Because we know God loves us and Jesus already paid the price for us. Whatever's going on in our life, this is not God just allowing things to happen. It's the enemy 
coming against us, and our faith is now being tested, not by God, but by the enemy. God tests our faith by obedience. Will we be obedient? The enemy comes with all kinds of trouble to try to separate us. And Jesus made this statement in Luke chapter 18. He says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? What is declared in many books and writings today is that America is in a post-Christian culture. Well, it's time we turn that around. It's time that we start to look at a generation that says, listen, and why, do we, why did we get to a post-Christian culture? Because people didn't know how to endure trouble and believe God. They thought life should be too easy, and when it's rough, maybe God's not in it. Or we got too comfortable with the blessings of God, and we began to say, you know what? The works of my hand and the works of my, my thought processes and my talents got me all this, and we forgot it was the Lord our God who gave us the power to get wealth. And all of a sudden, when you forget the Lord your God, and you endure trouble, and you don't believe him, and you allow it to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, you're no longer a conqueror, but you're a victim. And what do we hear throughout our culture today? Victimization. But Jesus Christ has made his church victorious. That though the enemy has come to victimize you, Jesus raised you from the dead, that you might be victorious over everything that the enemy would say. Listen, leave God, you're a victim, but we can believe God. And so the in-between... In this scripture, it really just tells us things. I'm going to go through seven things real quick. (laughs) With what you think is impossible, (laughs) we're just going to show you faith in God. With God, all things, even me getting through seven points, is possible. If you look back at this, verse 19, one of the things that will help us develop our faith in the in-between is waiting with expectation. So all creation is waiting with expectation. Sometimes we wait, we're just waiting with God, wondering what's going to happen. No, our waiting is with expectation. Our waiting is expecting that God is doing something in us so that he can do something through us. God is ever at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure, that when he gets done with his good pleasure in you, he's going to bring a transformed person to somebody who's hurting, somebody who's broken, somebody who's in need, somebody who doesn't know that Jesus has paid the price for their life, and you're going to come as a revelation and a manifestation of the goodness of God. That he has fully saved you. He didn't just give you a ticket to heaven. He's fully saved you. He's redeemed your life. He's bought it. He saved you, healed you, delivered you, set you free, and made you whole. Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Praise the Lord. We're going to start in the 28th verse. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture today, but it is church. Verse 28. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Come on, when you're getting tired and you're in between, he's not getting tired. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power 
to the weak. If you're feeling weak, right there is your scripture. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Listen, if you look at young people wearing out and getting tired, don't look at that. Look to Jesus. He's going to renew your strength. And the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We wait with an expectancy that God is renewing. God is refreshing. God is empowering. God is strengthening. We're not waiting, just waiting casually by. We're waiting with expectation. And our faith is building in the power of God. Number two. It's better to do seven when the music's playing anyway. (laughs) Number two, in this place, you're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. When you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. When you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. Paul said, you know what? There's times when I don't know what to pray. Everything seems to go, but I'm waiting with expectation, but my expectations don't seem to be manifesting right now. What's going on? Pray in the Spirit. Because the Spirit's making intercession. He's standing in the gap for what you don't know that he does know. And he knows the heart of God, and he knows God's plan for your life. He knows where you are, and he knows where he's taking you. Sometimes we're like, I don't know where I am, and I don't know. I I was believing God, and I don't know how I got here. Well, the Holy Spirit knows if you obeyed him, how you got from where you are to where you're going, and he knows where he's taking you, and he didn't bring you this far to leave you right here. Say, but I don't know. I can't figure it out. He says, good, trust me, and the Holy Spirit will pray out the plan through you. 1 Corinthians 14 says that a man that prayeth in an unknown tongue edifies or strengthens himself. Again, God is ever increasing our strength and our ability to go from where we are and we get stuck in the middle to move us to where he's called us to go. Number three, Paul said this, declare that he is working all things together for your good. You're not thanking God that bad things are happening. You're thanking him that in the midst of that, he's more powerful And that he's working what the enemy meant for evil. He's working it to your good. He's changing things around. You may be in the middle of something and what they thought was terrible, that they had to eat manna and they had to eat quail and get water out of a rock. God said, I'm still working all this together to bring you into the promised land. I'm working this all so that I can do you good in the end. And when it doesn't look good, you have to say, I know and I trust God. He's working everything together for my good. Why? Because I'm called according to a divine purpose. And my purpose isn't just for this moment, but my purpose reaches into eternity. So I'm not just looking at what I'm dealing with now, but God's taken me into something that's going to affect not only my life, but somebody else's life for all of eternity. Number four, you have to confess that God is for you and that others cannot succeed against you. He said, listen, what are we going to say to this? We're going to say, since God is for me, who could successfully be against me? And I'm just telling you, in in between, it looks like a lot of people can be against you. 
It looks like they might succeed, but when you stand up and say, listen, I don't know who they are, and I don't know why they're trying to divide the plan of God in my life, but just as David said to the giant, listen, I don't know who you are that's trying to defy the what God's plan is for my life. But if you don't watch out, I'll rise up, I'll take your head off, and the birds will eat it for lunch. Because God is on my side, and I won't be denied of what God's plan is for my life. It's time to do like Zerubbabel did and start speaking grace to the mountain. When it looks like everything was going to be his demise, He spoke to that mountain, and he spoke grace, and he said, the temple will be built. It won't be stopped. Number five, you have to throw your shoulders back and boldly say, I am more than a conqueror. I'm not somebody who can be defeated. I won't quit. I'm more than a conqueror. Paul said, I'm more than a conqueror. And all of his in-between, he said, I'm more than a conqueror. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, everything I've gone through, I go through because I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. Paul had a confession, a victorious confession. He never declared being a victim, though he was in prison, though he was beaten, though he was stoned and left for dead. He never saw himself as victim. He saw himself as victorious and declared, thanks be unto God, who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. He just said, you know, whatever it is, I'm just between beatings. When I'm preaching the gospel, where are you at? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just between beatings. I'm just between imprisonments. And that's no big deal compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in the next place that I go. The glory that's going to be revealed in the church that receives this letter and the revelation of this letter. He always saw himself overcoming the trials in his life. Because if I could get this letter out to the church and people would be saved, it's worth being in prison. If I can get over there and get somebody to know when they lay hands on the sick, the sick will recover. It's worth every body that gets healed. All right, miracles are about to happen. Number six, said you have to embrace the love of Christ. Not in your head, you have to embrace the love of Christ. He said, every circumstance and every situation that has happened to me in between this great heavenly calling and me finishing my race has not affected Christ's love for me or my love for Christ. And you know, when he got at the end of his race, He said, I did it. I finished it with joy. How many of us could declare with the Apostle Paul, and we haven't even been through what he's been through? I'm going to finish this baby with joy. Number one, wait with expectation. Number two, when you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. Number three, declare he's working all things together for your good. Number four, Confess that God is for you so no one could succeed against you. Number five, boldly say you're more than a conqueror. Number six, embrace the love of Christ. Last, number seven. Don't cast away. (laughs) Oh, he's done. Number seven, don't cast away your confidence. Hebrews chapter 10 
says, don't cast away your confidence. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. He goes on to declare to them, he said, it's about time to go in. He said, it's time to press in. The just shall live by faith. He said, we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. But we're faith people. We don't get stuck in the middle. We don't sing songs, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. We don't declare I'm between a rock and a hard place. Right? So I'm stuck. I might as well just go back to where I came from. No, he says we don't draw back to perdition. We don't draw back to the old life. We are those of faith who press in to the saving of the soul. We press into the completion. We finish our race. Building your faith in the in-between time will cause you to be strong, active, and ready to possess all the promises that are ahead of you. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you.